1: It's June 25th, 2021, and you are invited to join me and sort of awesome regular and author Katie Proctor as we talk about recent books that are worth the hype. That's right. If Katie's here, you know we're going to be talking books and reading, and today we're going to be talking about if the hyped books that come across our radar tend to make us want to read that book more or if we end up avoiding the books that have the most hype around them. I feel like people... Either go one way or the other on that, so you're going to hear about that discussion and also about all of the books that we have loved reading so far in 2021. So stay tuned for so much books and reading happiness. I'm Meg Teets, and this is sort of awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. We hope you know that you have found your way to the most awesome community of women that exists on the internet right now. You can find our awesome community over on Facebook. The Sorta Awesome Hangout is the heart of our community. Over 5,000 women gather there daily to talk about everything from product recommendations to troubleshooting relationships to parenting advice. Basically, we talk about all the ins and outs of life in an awesome way in our Sorta Awesome Hangout. Again, that's on Facebook we want to make sure to give a shout out to our awesomes of Instagram. We are having so much fun over there. I've been going live on Fridays to do a little get ready with me and we just sit and visit. We've got reels going up. We've got daily stories, of course, posts in the main feed. So if you haven't joined us on Instagram, we would love to have you over there at Sorta Awesome Show. So Katie, you and I have been talking about this episode,
0: and I think we're both pretty excited about the books that we have brought to share with the awesomes this week. Yes, so many fun ones to talk about. The summer is just exploded with great new publications and yeah. all the new releases. So it's been really fun.
1: So much fun to pick up these books. Some of them that I'm going to be talking about, they've been out maybe a month or two, some a little bit longer. I know you've got a great variety for us to talk about. It's really a perfect time of year. Here we are at the end of June. People are heading out to the beach. Some people are heading out on vacations for the first time in a long time. Or if you're just hanging out by the pool, if you want to grab a book, I think Katie and I have put together some very awesome recommendations for something that you could pick up this summer. A lot of these books have a lot of hype around them. So we're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. But first, Katie, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do, with our awesomes of the week. Our awesomes of the week are the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now. It could be a book, although I don't think either of us brought books. No, (laughs) I think we have enough of those to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes it's products, sometimes it's podcasts, sometimes it's a movie or music, whatever's making life a little happier right now. So Katie, I cannot wait to hear, I got a little bit of a clue A little peek at what you're talking about. I cannot wait to hear about your awesome
0: of the week this week. Okay. So I just have to preface this by the fact that Instagram made me do it because (laughs) I am highly susceptible to Instagram ads, but my awesome of the week is the brilliant eye brightener from thrive cosmetics. So they have all these great videos of these really pretty people putting on Uh this brilliant eye brightener. And I was like, Hey, I could look like that. So anyways, I actually ordered two of them. So I have two colors. I have a lighter one that's called the Aurora that I do in the inside right here. And then kind of along the brow line, just a kind of a shimmery Mm. beige color. Yeah, And then the Muna is a darker one. That's like a darker coppery kind of shimmery color. And I use that actually for my bottom liner and then a top liner and some eyeshadow. You can kind of rub it in a little bit. I am super low maintenance with makeup. Mm -hmm. And so this is, the easiest thing I can do really fast to add kind of a great impact. And I really love them. They're really go on smooth. They don't crease and it's in a pencil. So you don't have to get anything dirty. I love that. I have been wanting to try these for so long. First
1: of all, I love Thrive Cosmetics. My very favorite, I say this all the time, my holy grail mascara is Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions. Oh my gosh. It is the best mascara. I love their face wash. I've loved so many things that I've tried from them, but I'm like you in that they're like, hey, hey, want to try these eye pencil thingies They make your eyes all shimmery? I have gotten so many social media ads on Facebook and Instagram. They know their target. But I just haven't gone ahead and gotten them yet. I don't know what my holdup is, but after hearing you talk about them, I'm like, okay, I think this is my sign, Katie. It's time for me to do it.
0: I really don't love a powdery eyeshadow because it gets everywhere. So I'm much more prone to buying liquid eyeshadow or this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff that just adds the color, but with no zero mess. It's great. So I'm a big fan.
1: Loving it. Loving it. Okay. We will put links in the show notes so you guys can go look at it and then get the targeted follow social media campaigns, just like me and Katie. (laughs) Okay. My awesome of the week, you know, last week on the show, actually a few weeks ago when Kelly and I did the summer list, she did like a double awesome of the week where she talked about two shows. I'm like, why don't I ever do that? I should bring two things for awesome of the week (laughs) too. It's my show. Yeah. Do whatever I want. I have like a double hit of awesome for awesome of the week this week, and they both kind of have to do with travel, travel of the vicarious variety. So mm-hmm. where you're watching other people on their travels. So the first one is a YouTube channel that I discovered it so recently. I do not know why this had not been on my radar because this is a kind of channel I absolutely love. The name of the channel is Vicarious Voyager. Okay. A couple of weeks ago at the beginning of the month, as I shared earlier, I'm sort of awesome. I had a miscarriage. And so I spent an entire weekend basically in bed in the dark, and I just wanted to escape. Yep. And so it worked out perfect timing because that was when I discovered Vicarious Voyager, this YouTube channel. So it's this young man who is in his probably early, mid-20s, and his job, his real-life job is he works in the medical technology industry. And so he has to travel around the globe a lot. He is always on the road, but it's not just like road tripping from Dallas to Austin kind of situation. He is from Dubai to London and just like crisscrossing all around the globe. He's based out of San Francisco, I think, but he travels a lot. And so just for fun, a few years ago, he started filming His trips, the highlights of his trips, he's an aviation, a self-proclaimed aviation nerd. And so he likes to talk about the different planes, the models, this plane has this update and all of those types of things. I'm not that much of an aviation nerd, so I don't really understand that part of it. But he details everything on these flights. And so my favorite ones of his, and again, he's got like two years worth of videos. So there's so much to binge if you're just in the mood to escape a little bit. But My favorite ones of his are he will do first class long haul flights on all of these worldwide flights, which are so fun. I like never fly first class, especially Uh, I can't imagine. His company pays for everything for all of his travels and stuff. So he wants to, usually he flies business, but sometimes he'll get that upgrade to first class. And so it's so vicarious for me, Katie. I'm probably, I can't imagine season of my
0: life where I'm like crisscrossing <laughs> the globe in first class. Hey, you never know. You never know. Be in one of those big cabins with the beds in them. <laughs> it's like, yes. The whole thing. Exactly. He has those videos. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fascinating to me. I love it.
1: So that is the first part of this little travel escape vicariously. Literally the name of his channel again is Vicarious Voyager. I will put a link in the show notes for you guys to check it out. The other one, Katie, is actually an awesome... And I did not realize that she had this really great TikTok channel. And so the Austin's name is Jennifer. The name of her TikTok account is called We Do Fun Things. And her handle on Instagram is at Rooftop Previews. So I'll put a link in the show notes so you guys can go check out Jennifer's TikTok. But she does the same kind of idea, except it's on TikTok. Although hers is not necessarily like flying first class around the world. She goes to different hotels or goes to different theme parks and those types of things and just does these little 60-second or less TikToks to give you an idea. If you're going to be in Philadelphia, here's a great hotel to stay at. Oh, that's fun. Yes. So great. She has such a wonderful, pleasing voice that you can just listen to so easily. She does a great job with her photography and filming various things of whatever she's visiting. And she's got a ton of TikToks that anybody can check out. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the We Do Fun Things on TikTok because, I mean, sometimes you just, we're pretty much camped out here in Oklahoma City. I don't see us traveling like the coasts or anything that anytime soon, but just to see other people doing that. And she does a really great job and really shines that awesome spotlight on these places. So that's
0: great. So So fun. I've been loving
1: it. Yeah. So, those are awesomes of the week for Katie and I this week. Again, we'll have links in the show notes for you guys to go check those things out. As always, we love to hear what's awesome in your life. So again, on Instagram, every Friday, we're talking about awesome of the week for our awesomes of Instagram. And we always do this on Fridays in the sort of awesome hangout where I myself have gotten so many awesome things from my life from the awesomes. Same. I love how it works out like that. So, yes, come and join us on Friday so we can talk about your awesome of the week for sure. So, Katie and I have so many things to tell you guys about when it comes to books and reading. We're going to talk about hyped books. We're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes when we come right back. Hey, Awesomes, the best bacon, the best steak, the best chicken. And the best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store. You'll only find it on the family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. And that's why you need moinkbox.com. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors. Their fish swim wild in the ocean and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find pre-packaged in the meat aisle. Sign up at moinkbox.com awesome to get a year of bacon for free and then pick out what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month and cancel any time. Our family eats a lot of meat and we can be pretty picky about it, we were blown away by how much better Moink meat tastes than anything that we get at the local grocery store. So join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash awesome right now and listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but it's only for a limited time. That's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash awesome. That's moinkbox.com slash awesome. Hey friends, as many of us in the awesome community know, dealing with anxiety or depression can be paralyzing, but you should know that you are not broken and you are not alone. And when you want help, BrightSide is there for you. BrightSide offers personalized, life-changing anxiety and depression care from your own home. Most mental health providers make getting help exhaustingly difficult or you just get the same treatment as everyone else and you don't feel any better. RightSide offers help for the full spectrum of anxiety and depression conditions, so no matter what you're feeling, you'll get a treatment plan tailored to your specific needs on your schedule. Just go to brightside.com slash awesome. Take a quick free mental health assessment. And within 48 hours, you're connected with your expert provider to start your personalized treatment plan. As I've shared on sort of awesome, I've had my own struggles with anxiety and I had a long recovery from postpartum depression. I know that sometimes reaching out to get help can be the hardest part of the process, but with Brightside, it's so much easier. Whether you choose therapy, medication, or both, All plans follow the highest clinical standards and are based on the American Psychiatric Association guidelines, and 85% of Brightside members feel better within 12 weeks. And it's affordable. With a flat monthly fee and no hidden costs, you can get all the help you need without worrying about a big bill. Plus, with Brightside's Better Care Guarantee, you can get a full refund within 30 days, no questions asked. Join thousands of Brightside members taking back their lives. Take your free mental health assessment and get up to $100 credit on your first month of treatment at brightside.com slash awesome. That's brightside.com slash awesome, brightside.com slash awesome. Okay, we're back. And here's the thing, Katie, you recently, this is not really a spoiler. Can you spoil your own podcast episode? I don't know. <laughs> One <laughs> of the books that we're going to be talking about is Taylor Jenkins' Reid newest release called Malibu Rising, which you just finished. Yes. And said it totally lived up to how much people are loving it. And it got me thinking about books that have a lot of hype around them, books that are buzzy, that people are really talking about. I have to confess, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, but okay. I have to confess, I can be really weird about this. For example, when Harry Potter first came out, I didn't read it, Katie, until I was a full grown adult because there was so much hype around it. It's sometimes the more hype there is for a book, and I do this with movies too,
0: the more I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch it. It's too popular. Not going to read it. I do this with movies and TV shows all the time, but not with books. I do things differently with books because I'm an obliger, so I'm a hardcore obliger. Yes, me too. If somebody I love and trust hands me a book, I will read it for them even if it's a buzzy book, because they went through the time and effort to specifically hand it to me. So I want to make sure and honor that and read it for them. So that's my obliger side. But sometimes if nobody in my actual life has said this book is really good, then I will avoid it like the plague. But then I usually come around and read it anyways, because (laughs) my Enneagram three part of my body needs to have (laughs) this FOMO. So I'm like, well, I got to read it because I need to know about it so that I could tell other people about it. Yes. And so I have a very complicated relationship with Buzzy Books. But yes. in the case of Taylor Jenkins Reid's new one, she's just great. And yes. so when that popped up on Book of the Month, I didn't even look at the other titles. I was like, bye, automatically, because I needed that one yes. as soon as possible. So Absolutely. it kind of just depends on who the author is, who's handing me the book, who's buzzing about it. Mm. So I can be... Influenced by many different things. That totally makes sense. And you know what?
1: That's a really interesting thing that you brought into this because I'm the same way. If a person, a friend or whoever puts a book in my hands, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Just maybe it is that obliger thing. Just if somebody cares enough to be like, you have to read this book, then I'm going to read it. Even if it's not normally my thing or whatever. So there's that. But Gretchen Rubin talks about obligers can have this really strong rebellious streak where Mm -hmm. we just are like, no, I refuse. I'm just not going to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm afraid that if I read something that someone's like, this is amazing and then I don't love it, then I don't really want to go back and be like, oh, I didn't really like this. So there's that little fear a little bit too. Yeah. Like I said, with TV and movies when people like this show is so good. I'm like, I don't care that much. So I have to be talked into TV. Yeah. Except sometimes even being
1: talked into it, I still have this weird thing about it. That's what's happened to me. I know I'm going to scandalize so many people when I say this. This is what's happened to me with Shits Creek.
0: No, no. I knew you were going to say that. It's the best. <laughs> My favorite. I'm so scared.
1: It's so many people love it so much. I'm like, what if I don't like it? And it is a show that I did try like the first few episodes and I just was not into it. Now, many people have said since then, just get through the first few yeah. episodes. One person on Reddit, I was just reading a completely unrelated thread, but they were talking about bad seasons of great shows. And one person on Reddit was the whole first season of Shit's Creek, at least the first half of the first season
0: you could do without. And I was like, well, maybe I should go back then. And To be fair, I didn't start watching it until there were four full seasons on Netflix. So I had to be talked into it in the long game too. And then when I did, we watched it and loved it. It was fun to binge because we had all the episodes and have to wait too long. So right,
1: right, right. Totally. I mean, this is the whole conundrum of hyped things, right? Because they're obviously wildly popular for a reason. Look at the Harry Potter series. I just waited so long because I just was like, how could kids books be that great? And now I like, (laughs) am a little bit obsessed. (laughs) The whole universe like lives rent free in my mind for sure. But I do tend to be this way about books that do have a lot of hype around them. I also find a lot of satisfaction, a deep amount of satisfaction when I read a book before it gets a lot of hype around it, and then people start to pick up on it and build steam, and I've already read it. Yeah, that's fun. Am I actually a
0: hipster? Um, <laughs> that's what I'm wondering I as I'm know. talking. <laughs> I do think that's fun, though, especially because yeah. I do have that Enneagram Four Wings. Yes. That's where my rebellion against buzzy books comes in because I want to be unique and- find the good things. So I identify with that too. I feel good when I read something and then uh, suddenly everyone loves it. So that's fun. Yes. One book that that happened to me
1: with was speaking of Taylor Jenkins Reid, her book, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo came out a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and I read it. It was my book of the month club pick when it first came out. I was talking about it to everyone. Nobody else was reading it that I talked to, at least in my friend group. Mm -hmm. No one else had read it, and I loved it so much, and I had no one to talk to about how great it was. And then I feel like when book talk on TikTok really picked up steam, that that book kept coming up over and over to where people think it's like a current right now release because so many people talk about it. And I'm like so smug. I read it when I came out. I I love
0: that book. I read that one in the middle of the night while I was nursing one baby. I don't remember which one. And I stayed extra awake in the middle of the night to finish it because I loved it. It was
1: so good. It was so So good. good. That
0: book totally deserves the hype for Mm -hmm. sure.
1: If you haven't read it, you got to pick it up. It's great. But just know that I did read it. (laughs) it
0: I think I read it pretty close to publication, but it wasn't hot off the presses. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, speaking of books that have a ton of hype around them, I know that you have recently gotten to sort of a whole genre that's getting a lot of hype and a lot of attention right now. I don't know. How do we describe it? Is it sort of like reimagined Greek myth or Greek myth inspired? I'm just
0: calling it Greek mythology retellings or something because I don't really know that it has a specific genre, but One of my favorites of the year so far is called A Thousand Ships, and it's by Natalie Haynes. Okay. And it is basically the Trojan War, but told from the viewpoint of the women. So you have the Queen of Troy, you have Penelope, who's Odysseus's wife, and she Mm -hmm. writes these really snarky letters back to him, like, where are you? Why aren't you here? Hilarious. I mean, he was gone for like 10 years after the Trojan War trying to get home. So Mm -hmm. we have that perspective. There's a girl named Briseis, who was sold as a slave to Achilles and Patroclus, and so she was kind of friends with them, so she's a large part of the story. But the perspective shifts a lot, so you get to hear all these little things. Interestingly, Helen does not get a point of view, and I think she addresses that at the end of why she decided to do that, and so that's kind of a fun little tidbit. But that book on audio is absolutely beautiful, I could not stop listening to it, it's so good. I love that the women get a voice because in the Aeneid and the Iliad and Odyssey, it's all about the men and what they're doing. And yeah, the women are there, but they're like the muses or the goddesses that are causing all the trouble or whoever. And so this kind of reimagining from their perspective was really, really good. So I really liked that. I love that too. When I was an undergrad,
1: an English major, I, of course, took a semester of Greek myth and that particular professor gave us a lot, a lot of leeway in how we wrote about Greek myth. Well, I was young, I was in my twenties. And so obviously it was felt really natural for me to take up a sort of feminist critical theory approach and did a lot of writing and sort of imagining of that exact thing of where the women's voices in this and what would the women's voices sound like? What would they be speaking about? And so the fact that now that's a real thing, like women are actually writing these books and, People are really craving these stories that tell, to some extent, I mean, we're talking about through the eyes of women, but to some extent, I think that the bigger movement in literature right now is to hear the voices of the marginalized in whatever Mm -hmm. context that might look like. And so, yeah, I'm just getting chill bumps right now thinking about how over 20 years ago, I was this undergrad who was dreaming of what if myth was told from the women's viewpoint? or classical Greek literature from the point of view of women.
0: And now here we have these books. And you did it first, Meg. Look at you. (laughs) Yeah, I did
1: it first, totally. (laughs) My undergraduate writing, I'm sure, would be so compelling to read.
0: (laughs) Well, so since I read A Thousand Ships and loved it, I hadn't read Song of Achilles yet by Madeline Miller. I did read Circe a couple years ago, and it was one of my favorites. And so I don't know why I didn't get to Song of Achilles, probably because I know how it ends, and I really was not prepared to deal with that kind of tragedy. yes. But I listened to that one also. And oh my word, that the guy's voice, number one, is the best narration. So the Song of Achilles is told from the point of view of Patroclus, who was Achilles. They call him his companion, but in this book, he's really his lover, basically. Right. Yes. And so they get trained. They go to fight in the Trojan War, and it's their story and how that kind of unfolds. And it is just beautiful. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know that I love when people describe books as beautiful, but this one is really just beautiful. She's a master of words. So I love Cersei. I think Song of Achilles was even better. I read those 2,000 ships and Song of Achilles pretty close together. So I had a whole lot of Trojan War stuff going on in my brain. Yes. But loved them
1: both. So it's funny that you mentioned that. I have not read the Song of Achilles yet. I need to. I'm like you. I know that it is an emotional, Mm a little bit of a heartbreaker book and story, but like you, I read Circe a few years ago. I feel like it was maybe 2018-ish when it came mm-hmm. out, Madeline Miller. And I do think that Madeline Miller's Circe was sort of the beginning of this movement of the retelling or the reimagining of Greek myth in a lot of ways. Now, readers, you can definitely at me if you think I'm wrong, if there is some other great books that I'm not thinking of that are the modern era that we're doing that already. But I do think that she really started the momentum going in yeah. this genre. And so I think that one is so powerful. I don't remember a lot from Cersei, but I remember thinking her writing is like, oh my gosh, so, so beautiful. So I know I've got to pick up the song. of the Yeah, game,
0: so. you do. And do it on audio because like I said, it's an experience. Yeah. Awesome sure. narration. Yeah. So a little bit of a left turn, but still in Greek mythology. One of the buzziest books this summer has been Olympus, Texas. Yeah. And- a little bit of a left turn. One of the buzziest books this summer is called Olympus, Texas by Stacy Swan. And this is one that you might not think is a Greek mythology retelling, but it totally is. Okay. But it takes place kind of in modern times in a small town, Texas, but it meets Mount Olympus. So you have this fatherhead who is the patriarch figure who's been very unfaithful. He has all these kids everywhere in this very small town, but they're a very powerful family. And then it starts with one of the sons coming back home after he has cheated with his brother's wife and has left for a while. So he's coming back. Now, I will not pretend that this book has any likable characters because maybe there's one or two. It's a really family drama, family saga thing. But if you know that it's tied to the Greek mythology and you know kind of who is each person, it's really fun to kind of get into that story and go, oh, I remember this myth. It's been reimagined for the present day and in a small town, Texas, but it's still very tied to that mythology. So this has been one that I have seen everywhere. I know Laura Tremaine talked about it with Anne Bogle. And so it's just a book that I've seen everywhere. And I really enjoyed it. If I didn't have the Greek mythology tie-in, I don't know that I would have loved it as much. Because there's just those people, you're just like, I don't like you. (laughs) But when you see that they're, kind of the reimagining of the Greek gods. And it's a little bit easier to get through. That is so fascinating to me
1: because truly, and I do remember this from my Greek myth class in college, the gods are terrible people. Like in mythology in general, they're pretty awful. They're abusive, they're rapey, they're all of the things. The The female goddesses are jealous and spiteful. And it's just real difficult to feel that you're rooting for any of the gods yes. or goddesses, really, as you're looking at myths. So that is really interesting then that as the characters unfold in Olympus, Texas, that you've got a cast of some unlikable characters. And I feel like unlikable character books, gosh, those can be such a lightning rod. I feel like there are people who just absolutely will not finish a book where the characters are deeply unlikable. And then you have other people that are like, yeah, they're so awful. And I loved every minute of how terrible
0: they are. They're a really dysfunctional family. And so some people really like dysfunction in their books. I get a little bit uncomfortable with them. So I don't tend to pick them up. But this one was (laughs) really entertaining because I knew the tie-in with the Greek mythology. So that was fun. Now, did you read this one in paper or did you listen to this one? I did this one on audio also. On audio. I have done a lot of audio books this year because we have packed and moved our house. And so I have been doing a lot on audio. And it was really good. It was really well done on audio. So I felt like it was a good way to pick that up. Okay. Well, I know speaking of audio that you
1: did do Malibu Rising on audio as well. Did Give us your thoughts because this one is super, super hyped, I feel like. Taylor Jenkins Reid, it's not like she's a new author. She's been writing for years. She has so many books. And I think her earlier books, the ones that I've read, are fantastic. But I do think that she's kind of just now really getting a lot of limelight. And I think that after, let's see, she had The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Did she have another one that came out? She had Daisy Jones in the Six, which was another... Yeah, yeah, Daisy Jones and the Six, which was fantastic, which I did that one on audio, which was really a cool experience because that one tells the story of, it's kind of like a VH1 behind the music mm-hmm. setup. So you hear different perspectives of this band throughout, and then on audio, you get different actual voices. Not right. They don't always do that on audio, and I don't know who gets to make that decision. If there's going to be one narrator, or if they're going to bring in a cast, I'm sure money has a lot to do with it. But I super loved that one on audio as well. But so tell us what you thought about Malibu Rising. I'm like two or three chapters in. I just started it. And of course, I love it already. But I want to hear your
0: thoughts. So I just think I've decided that Taylor Jenkins Reid is just like the master of your sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of genre, because this is totally in that. So it's 1980s. And there's these four siblings. And their dad is a famous rock star. And the four siblings are about to throw this wild Malibu party that they do every summer. And we know from the very beginning that there's going to be some kind of huge fire that happens. And then throughout the rest of the book, you're waiting to see who set the fire and what happened and how this party got out of control. So I loved it because it goes back and forth between the present day and then the past. And so it backs all the way up to their mom meeting their dad and how that relationship unfolds. I really like the perspective shift. I like the dual timelines. Yes. I really love the sibling relationships. I loved how the oldest one, whose name is Nina, she's your typical firstborn and feels like she has to take care of everybody. And so she was probably the one that I identified with the most and that I loved the most. But I loved how they interacted with each other and then kind of how they interacted with their mom and their dad and all of the things that fame brings to the family dynamic. So I really love how she set it up because you're the whole time waiting. Well, I need to see what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Are you going to tell us yet? And so that tension throughout was really fun. And I did it on audio and Julia Whalen narrates it. And she's one of my favorites. She just has a really easy to listen to voice. And she did a really great job with it. So I thought it was really fun. I actually liked this one better than Daisy Jones in The Six. Okay. I read Daisy Jones on paper though. So I didn't okay. get that full cast audio recording situation. And maybe that would right. have been better. But this one's it's not an interview. It's yeah, not in an yeah. interview format. It's just a normal right. prose. So I liked it better than Daisy Jones. I still think Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is my favorite by her, but really? I really That's thought this one was a solid five-star read. So Okay, I'm gonna show you something that might hurt your heart. Oh, no.
1: The other night I was like, oh, I'm gonna take a nice bubble bath and I'm going to get my book and I'm going to read like a grown-up adult lady could do. And I set my book, Katie, on this little ledge. Yep. Oh no. Right by my bathtub. Get the bath already. Get in. As I'm getting into the tub, I gracefully knocked the book. No. Into, can you see?
0: Oh.
1: On camera. Yeah. I have to put a picture on social media. It totally fell in for like a quarter of a second. And I was thinking right when I put the book on the ledge, I was like, that is an unwise choice. (laughs) (laughs) But I did it anyway. And it's like, I almost thought it into happening because I was like, that book's going to fall in. And then seconds later, that book fell in. So I switched over to Kindle for this because it's readable, but it's a mess. Yeah. But now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just go ahead and do it on audio instead, because like you, except I don't have the excuse of moving, packing my house and moving. Almost all of my reading is on audio these days. I've talked about on the show that I just have a hard time staying awake.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did it while I was driving. We had a 10 hour drive and I had the kids and the dog. And so I had one earbud in and listened to the whole thing in one sitting. Smart so girl, that was fun, yes. but it is really good on audio. And then if you have to stop it and pick it up, I think you'll be excited to pick it up again and say, what's the next little tidbit that I get to learn? Yes.
1: Okay, I have to interject then one of the books I wanted to talk about that also has a lot of hype around it that I loved so much. And interestingly, has the same narrative structure. I didn't realize it until we started talking, but these two kind of are set up the same. Totally different contexts though, because I want to talk about Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. So you all may be familiar with Andy Weir. He wrote The Martian, which came out a couple of years ago and was made into a movie starring Matt Damon. I didn't read The Martian, but I did enjoy the movie. So good. The book is so good. Yes. He had another one that came out in between The Martian and Project Hail Mary, and I'm drawing a blank on this. I think it's called Artemis, and I don't think it has
0: as good of a as reviews. And I don't think people liked it as much as they like these two. So
1: that's right. I did not read that. And I do remember people kind of being like a little meh about it. But my introduction to Project Hail Mary was actually in the currently reading Facebook group, which is for their Patreon supporters. One of our awesomes is in that group. There's a lot of awesomes. We have a lot of crossover because of course, Meredith and Katie are awesomes. But an awesome name, Megan, said that she had just finished Project Hail Mary. And when she was done,
0: she literally physically hugged the book. <laughs> that has been happening a lot lately. We've had lots of hugging book <laughs> pictures of Project Hail Mary. So it's
1: so good. I'm going to try to not cry about how much I love this book. This is such an unlikely favorite for me. You guys are so much buzz about how good Project Hail Mary is. Please do not be me. Do not let that put you off. If I could put a copy in the hands of everyone, well, first of all, I would give you some earbuds or some headphones to listen to it on audio. Now, I know a lot of people have read it on paper and super loved it. And that is great. I will say the audio experience of Project Hail Mary is wildly satisfying. It's narrated by a man named Ray Porter who, I don't know, maybe I've heard some of his narration in the past. I didn't remember specifically his name. Katie. He is so talented. He brings the central character, Ryland Grace, to life. Let me tell you the setup. Project Hail Mary is a book that's hard to talk about.
0: Right. And I've heard that you shouldn't go into it too much, like right. to knowing anything too much about it. It's hard to talk about plot specifics because there's a surprise around every quarter. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So I'm 200, just to give you some context, I'm like 200 pages into it. And I'm reading it on paper because okay. I think it's only Audible. I think it's only on Audible, so you can't get it from the library on audio. Oh, shoot. Okay. And so that's why I haven't picked it up on audio. And also I got it in my book of the month box too. So okay, I'm reading it on paper and it's so good. So I agree. It's just you want to keep picking it up and finding out more things.
1: Well, this is an Andy Weir book, so it does take place in space. And so that's not my thing. It's like speculative science fiction in the sense that it is science fiction, but it's also realistic science fiction. Mm -hmm. Like you could imagine the context under which our main character, Rylan Grace, would find himself. So he wakes up on a spaceship and he has no memory Mm -hmm. of why he's on a spaceship or what he's supposed to be doing there. He has two crewmates, they're both dead. That's not a spoiler. This is literally in the opening pages of the book. Mm -hmm. So, in the same way that Malibu Rising has the narrative structure of piecing together how they got here through flashbacks, Andy Weir does that in Project Hail Mary. You piece together alongside Ryland how he ended up on a spaceship and what his mission is supposed to be. And it is so wildly satisfying on audio because as those flashbacks unfold, it takes a real international spin in the story. And so Ray Porter, the narrator, his accents and dialects for different people are absolutely spot on. Another reason why I loved it on audio is because Andy Weir is a master at taking really complicated science ideas. There's a lot of physics in this book. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of math. There's a lot of chemistry. Really complex, like upper, upper level information, but he makes it so
0: approachable. Yeah. I like that he says, what this means is this, 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 and gives a good summary. And you're like, okay, I get it now. Exactly. He is so great at doing that. He gives
1: you the actual facts, the actual science of the thing, but then very seamlessly is like, so this means that blah, 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 through the mind and voice of our protagonist in this book. This book was so unexpected. It reminded me, Katie, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, I read like a lot of Michael Crichton novels, starting with okay. Jurassic Park. I think I read it just, and you're way younger than me. So I know Jurassic Park was like a classic practically by the time it came across your radar. But the, it was either the summer before my sophomore or junior year of high school, the movie Jurassic Park came out. And so I wanted to read the book first because I'm a nerd and that's what we do. And so Michael Crichton was probably one of the first science fiction writers that I really got into. And reading Project Hail Mary reminded me so much of that just beautiful experience of reading Jurassic Park and being like, I never thought I would love science fiction, but that's the transformative thing of books. It can just surprise you even if you're like sitting here thinking, I'm not going to read a space book. This book, Project Hail Mary, is not just about space, although it is also about space. Yeah. (laughs) But it's about Things like love and betrayal and loyalty and courage and fear. And oh my gosh, I really, I'm holding back tears because I just loved it so much. And by the end, I was absolutely enchanted and just, please, you guys, if you read a book this summer, I'm going to say, pick up Project Hail Mary, could do a buddy read with your spouse or partner, with a Mm -hmm. friend, with your older kids. I would be totally fine with my teenagers reading this. There is one teeny tiny like one page scene where there's some frank discussion about sex it's not on the page it doesn't happen on the page but just two characters talking Mm -hmm. about it that i think i'm gonna say pg-13 like 13 and older could handle the conversation
0: yeah and i think there are some f-bombs in there but not as much so the martian is full of them like i think there was an f-word on every other page of the martian Mm. so much so that i think he wrote Like a young adult friendly, middle grade friendly version of the Martian that you could hand your kids without feeling like, ooh, the language. But this one, so since he's a middle school science teacher. Yes. And that's part of his memory coming back, he says words like fudge and gosh darn it. And so that's fun because then you could hand this book to a teenager and it would be fun. Yes. Yes, totally agree. Okay. I've used a lot of words on
1: (laughs) Project Mary, but I loved it so much. And there's a lot of hype around it, but I'm saying, you guys, it's worth it. So what else in our sort of adult contemporary fiction did we want to talk about?
0: Okay, so I, a couple years ago, like everyone else, read This Is How It Always Is by Lori oh, yes. Frankel. Have you read this one? Yes. yes okay. Yes. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So that book was one of my all-time favorites for the year that I read it. It's one that I still think about. I loved how she wrote The Family and all of that Mm. kind of stuff. Well, she just came out with a new one. Okay. And it's called One, Two, Three. And I'm talking like maybe three weeks old, maybe a month old. okay. And as soon as I saw her name, I was like, oh, I have to read this because I love this is how it always is so much. So let me just give you a little bit of the setup because it's kind of hard to explain otherwise. Okay. So it it flip-flops back and forth between three points of view, and they are triplets. So, we have got triplet girls. One is named Mab, one is named Monday, and one is named Maribel. So, there's one syllable for Mab, two syllables for Monday, three syllables for Maribel. And so, that's how we know one, two, three. Okay. But these triplets were born in a town where when they were in utero, their mom was consuming poisoned water. So, it's kind of like a Flint, Michigan kind of town. Right. Okay. So, You've got small town, you've had this big chemical company that came in that did a lot of damage and then left. And so their mom is in the midst of this years long lawsuit with this company. And the girls are teenagers now. Mab, she's a typical teenager. She doesn't have any kind of issues from her time in utero, but she is like wanting to get out of town after she graduates, but also wants to stay and take care of her family because she's really tied to that. So she's kind of Conflicted about that. She's pretty smart. Monday is on the spectrum. She's taken it upon herself to become the town librarian. So she's got all the books at her house since the library closed, and everybody yeah. knows that she's the one to go to if you need a book or a file or anything. Okay. And then Maribel is the smartest one of them all, but she's nonverbal because she's confined to a wheelchair, I think because of cerebral palsy. So she communicates with a technology device that one of the townspeople actually made her. So I love this town because yeah. everybody yeah. kind of, Once this whole tragedy happened, everybody kind of stopped and took care of each other. So I love that part. that's so great. And then the story just unfolds from there because the chemical company wants to come back into the town and reopen, right? Yeah. And so their mom is like, oh, that's not happening. And then that's kind of how the story goes. I did this one on audio again, and this is a full cast recording. So you get three different voices for each girl. And I just loved it. I thought it was really well done. I loved all of the issues that come up. Again, she writes family so well. So the yes. way that these girls interact with each other and with their mom, I just thought it was really, really good. So I think she's got another hit and it's not fair that she writes so, such amazing <laughs> books, but I really loved it. So, Oh my gosh,
1: that's so fun. Okay, I'm very much looking forward to that one. One last one that I wanted to mention that I actually did read on paper. It was one of my book of the month picks is called The Last Thing He
0: Told Me. It's oh, by okay. Laura Dave. Have you read this one? I haven't. I've seen a lot about it, but I haven't picked it up yet.
1: Okay, I'm going to tell you all, if you're looking for a good beach read, summer read, something that you can just fly through, you're going to want to pick up the last thing you told me. Again, it's by Laura Dave. The concept is that our protagonist is named Hannah. She has recently gotten married, and she also has found herself marrying her husband as a stepmom to a teenage girl. So she one day is expecting her husband to be home from work. Instead, this young girl that's like a soccer player from the school where her husband works, comes to the door, gives her a note to give to Hannah. And the note, it just has two words in it from her husband. And it says, protect her. And so she does not hear from her husband ever again. And the rest of the book is spent with Hannah trying to unfold through, this is like another flashback book. Maybe that's a big trend right now in literature. I don't know. Maybe. But basically through flashbacks, she's trying to remember And piece together different things that her husband had told her. As the story unfolds, she finds out that the identity that she thought was his was not. And so the story kind of takes off from there. I did read this on paper. This was an easier read for me on paper than most are because it is definitely a page turner. Like it's a thriller. Mm -hmm. It's one of those where, like you were saying about a different book, like if you have to take a break, you're excited to get back into it and be like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? What's she gonna find out next? It's a very quick read. If you are in a little bit of a reading slump and just want something to kind of bounce you back into reading some good fiction, I highly recommend this one by Laura Dave. And again, it's called The Last Thing He Told Me. That one sounds good. I'm gonna have to add that one to the list. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's a great summer read for sure. So we still need to talk about nonfiction, young adult and middle grade. And so we've got more books to tell you that we have been super loving, some of which are very buzzy right now. And we're gonna cover those when we come right back. Hey Awesomes, lots of things can make your workouts hard. Extra resistance, double speed, going one more mile. Your socks shouldn't though. That's why Bombas Performance Socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. Bombas Performance Socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make Bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn and added their special Hextech performance technology. Bombas Performance Socks are stitched with special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool air to flow in and prevent overheating. They come with a pillow-like tab to save you from blisters, stay-up technology, a special arch-hugging system, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. They come in different styles for every sport, with specific design features to help you optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. And like all their socks, for every pair of Bombas performance socks that you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They have donated over 45 million pairs so far. Bombas socks are hands down the favorite socks that everyone in my family loves so much. And I love that they absolutely hold up over time. Wash after wash, they are still as comfortable as the day we got them. So go to bombas.com slash awesome today and get 20% off of your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S bombas.com slash awesome for 20% off bombas.com slash awesome. Just like many of you awesomes, I tried to as hard as I could to stay out of doctor's offices during the pandemic. I definitely skipped regular physicals. I didn't head into the dentist. I didn't even go in for my yearly eye exam. But now that everything is opening up, it's time to catch up on our regular health care. It's so easy to do when you download the free ZocDoc app. It's the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or through video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or any other kind of specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. Anything that makes seeing a doctor more easy is very awesome in my book, and ZocDoc truly does make healthcare easy. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash awesome and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's dot com slash awesome. Okay, we are back and we did each choose some nonfiction selections to share with you guys. I love nonfiction. I kind of have been in a little bit of a nonfiction slump, but I've read a few recently. That we wanted to talk about Katie. Why don't you talk
0: about your nonfiction pick? Okay, so I just recently finished Jenny Lawson's new one called Broken yes. in the best possible way. She has a couple other books out, and I first discovered her from Furiously Happy and mm-hmm. then went and looked at her blog. Have you read the oh, Rooster yes. story? Okay. Yes, it's yes, fantastic. Yes. She is hysterically funny. She yes. talks about her life dealing with mental illness. She has severe depression and some other autoimmune things going on. Yes. And so She has a lot of struggle in her day-to-day life, but the way she writes about her family and the things that happened to her and her encounters are just so funny. I mean, I get kicked out of my bedroom when I'm reading Jenny Lawson because I cannot keep it together. And I have to laugh out loud because it's (laughs) just so funny.
1: I'm laughing just thinking about it. (sighs) it. It's literal laugh-out-loud reading. It is. I just talked about this a couple of episodes back when Rebecca and I were talking about some escapes And I had just started it at the time. Mm -hmm. I have since finished it. I love Jenny Lawson so much. I've been reading her since I read the blog, S her blog. So I've read all of her books. The thing that she does so perfectly that I don't think there's anybody else on this planet who so perfectly balances between the real difficulties of struggling with mental health and mental illness and also can do it in such a hilarious way that you will literally pee your pants laughing because she is so funny. And I kind of mentioned this in my earlier discussion, but I want to say it again. Her first book, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, is hilarious, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really, she just barely scratches the surface, I feel like, in Let's Pretend This Never Happened, talking about some of her mental health struggles. And then Furiously Happy, I feel like she kind of goes much more in-depth than Mm -hmm. it. Broken in the best possible way, I think she really has found the balance that works for her in both some really serious discussion about it, very frank, very honest, About the struggles that she goes through, and is also so funny that you will be embarrassed if you're reading this in public because
0: (laughs) you're not able to stop laughing. Right. I loved it so much. Okay. It's so good. And that one's really good on audio because she reads it. So you get to hear her voice tell you her stories, and that one's really fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. My nonfiction
1: pick, sorry to be a bummer, but it's very, very popular right now, but it's not funny at all. I'm just going (laughs) to tell you now I feel inappropriate. (laughs) Because I'm still laughing about Jenny Lawson, but this book (laughs) is not funny. So this one is right now as we're recording, Katie, it's sitting at the number one spot on Amazon for new releases in memoir. Okay. And it's written by Amanda Klutz. The name of the book is Live Your Life. And it is the story of her falling in love, getting married, and then the eventual death last year of her husband, Mm. Broadway star Nick Cordero. Now, I think that the reason why this book has taken off as quickly as it has is that many hundreds of thousands of people followed along on Instagram and on social media as Amanda kind of gave us the journey of her husband Nick being hospitalized with COVID mm-hmm. in, in 2020 and him eventually dying from it. Now, lots of content warnings around this book because it's really. Kind of fascinating because it's the first book to really examine that journey that someone would go through with losing someone that they love to COVID. Like, this is Mm -hmm. all so fresh, right? right? That this is the first one that I know of, the first major memoir of what that's like. But also in the book, it's not just the story of him getting sick and eventually dying, but it's really great because it tells the whole story of them falling in love. Mm -hmm. And he was a huge. Broadway star, much beloved Broadway star. And so you get little snippets of what their life was like with that. It's a beautiful book. I read it literally in one day. So it's a very fast read. I read it on Kindle, but it's in all of the formats. I honestly just picked this up because I was just super curious. What are memoirs of this era in time going to be like? Right Now, Amanda did ask her sister, Anna, to basically ghostwrite. And they're very upfront about that. Like Anna is an accomplished writer. Amanda's not. And so you get like the tag team writing of them together, putting this project together, which I thought was really beautiful too. But anyway, it's very touching. I had either a lump in my throat or was fully crying through most of it. So if you need a little emotional catharsis moment in your life, this is a really good one. But also if you're just, it's a very human story. Of love and life and unexpected loss and grief and all of those kinds of things. So again, sorry to be a little bit of a bummer, but I did want to mention that because I do think a lot of people are going to be talking about this book. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of places. So it's
0: good to hear you talk about it. Yeah, very good, fast read. So,
1: Okay, let's talk about an area that you, my friend, are very experienced in, and that's the genre of middle grade. Your newest book just came out. We've mentioned it a couple of times, both- here on the show and also on social media. I know you didn't want to do this. You didn't put it on your book list, but tell the awesomes about your newest
0: release. So it's called Hand in Hand and it follows two young girls. They're 11 years old. They live in a small town, South Carolina in the 1940s. And Lily's dad owns a grocery store. She is, their family is white and Hazel's grandmother works for Lily's family and they are black And Lily's dad decides to take down the whites only sign off of the front door of the grocery store. And so it kind of takes their family into this whole tailspin. And Lily and Hazel meet for the first time. And they are kind of grappling with whether they can be friends or not be friends because of the segregation and Jim Crow. And Lily doesn't know really anything about it. Hazel's very familiar with it because it's her life. And so they... Kind of bond through books and reading, and then they get to be friends. And that's kind of the story of their summer and how that goes. Yes.
1: Yes. It's beautiful, perfect middle grade. I think this is a great, I think hand in hand is a fantastic jumping off point of discussion for kids in that middle grade age range who Maybe they've started to experience learning about some of this at school, but Mm -hmm. this makes it so personal and so relatable. I think this is such a great one to read along with your kid or do like a read aloud Mm -hmm. with your kids. So you did another brilliant job, Katie. Thanks, Meg.
0: Good job. Good job. Okay. What other middle grade picks do you have for us? Okay. So can I do two? Yes, please do. (laughs) Okay. So the first one is called Amari and the Night Brothers by B.B. Alston. Now this is middle grade fantasy at its best. So we start with Amari and she's just like your typical teenager. Well, she's like 13. So she's right on the border of middle grade YA and her brother goes missing. And so her mom and her trying to find her brother, she's not convinced that people are actually taking this seriously and looking for him. And so she's like, I'm going to solve this. She finds this mysterious briefcase that's like ticking in his closet and she opens it up and, you know, gets taken kind of to this whole other universe and learns a lot of things about her brother that she did not know before. So it's magic, it's mystery, it's very propulsive and Amari is a great character. So she gets to this school and then goes through these things. It's kind of along the Harry Potter, kind of Percy Jackson line of things because she's taken out of the real world and put into this magical world. And then, you know, she meets friends and has this huge adventure as she's trying to find her brother. So Really liked that one. We actually did that in the Currently Reading Group. We did a big buddy read with that one. And, and I don't think anybody didn't like it. It's a really fun book to read, yeah. I would think, to read aloud with your kids too. Okay, and who's the author on that again? B.B. Alston. Okay, awesome. Sounds fantastic. Okay, what else middle grade do you have? Okay, and then I just have to, because this man is my favorite middle grade author of all times. So his name is Gary D. Schmidt, and he wrote The Wednesday Wars and Okay for Now. And those books have been out for a a long time. They are set in the 70s and they follow these boys that you just... In Wednesday Wars, it's this boy who he gets stuck with his teacher after school on Wednesdays and she makes him read Shakespeare. And it's like one of the best middle grade books I've ever read. And then Okay For Now takes one of the characters from Wednesday Wars, moves him to a different city and then focuses on his life at this new city. And I think that one's even better than the Wednesday Wars So this year in January, he just came out with a new one called Just Like That. And this one follows one of the girls from Wednesday Wars. Now, you don't have to read any of these books to love any of them because they're all fully standalone. It just adds a little bit more because you have a little bit of context. But what happens in Just Like That is this is actually his first female protagonist novel. This is different because he's been writing boys. But this is still like 1968 this girl named Meryl Lee Kowalski, and she gets sent to a boarding school because she's grieving the loss of her friend. This happens on like page one. Her best friend dies and her parents send her to boarding school, to an all girls boarding school. Okay. So she gets there. She's kind of got this chip on her shoulder. She's like fully into her grief. She meets the headmistress who's kind of a quirky, fun lady. And then she meets this boy who is kind of like a roaming orphan. He's just like, we don't really know his story. So, we get lots of Merrill Lee. We get lots of this boy. And then what Gary D. Schmidt does so beautifully is you have all these different storylines happening, and then they all come together in this just beautiful picture. And the way he writes these characters, I mean, I make sounds like this, oh, when I'm reading that book, okay? <laughs> and I actually handed this one to my mom when she came to visit yes. uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she was sitting on there, and she would close the book every once in a while and just be like, oh, like... <laughs> It's just one of those that you just have to hug because you love the characters and the way he writes them so much. So I will forever be a Gary D. Schmidt evangelist because I think he writes some of the best middle grade out there. Now, this is not for your young middle grade. This is for your upper middle grade, like almost YA, because there are some complex storylines and things. Sure. And this one got a little bit scary in a place because there were some bad guys chasing some people. So okay, it got a little bit heart racy, but I loved it. And I will read anything this man writes forever.
1: Oh my gosh. Loving it so much. I love a great middle grade. You know, I mentioned this earlier with the last thing he told me that sometimes some fast paced fiction like that can bust you out of a reading rut. Totally. And I think you said this on sort of awesome before that middle grade can be one of those genres that, I mean, a lot of times, especially with the more complicated plot lines, like it sounds like in these books. They're really engaging, but they're very fast. You can just go 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 through it because middle grade kids, they gotta stay engaged with the text. Right. Well, and
0: they're always hopeful. I mean, I don't think I've read a middle grade book that has ended on like a bummer (laughs) note where you're like nothing is happening good at the end of this. They're always usually really hopeful. So that's what I love about them. Okay. Well my YA pick is very
1: sweet and hopeful and I loved it so much. It was definitely a hug this book at the end book. And I think there's some buzz around this. You'll have to tell me because I feel like you have a better sense of what's being talked about a lot in reading circles right now. But the book is called Tokyo
0: Ever After. Oh yeah, definitely have seen that.
1: Okay, all right. Well, it's written by Imiko Jean and it is the story, like the way that they're promoting this, and this was a Reese Witherspoon book club YA pick. Okay. And so they're kind of promoting it as The Princess Diaries meets Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, so, that's fun. It is YA, So bear that in mind, but it tells the story of Azumi Tanaka, who grows up feeling like she kind of has never really fit in. She grows up in a town in Northern California where most of her classmates are white. She's Japanese American. She's being raised by a single mom. And so she just kind of has never really felt like she found her fit. Then Out of the blue, she discovers a clue that helps her to realize a big truth about her father's identity. Remember, she's being raised by her mom, single mom. Well, her dad is the crown prince of Japan. And so as it turns out, Izzy, as she goes by, is literally a princess. And so you get that kind of Princess Diaries vibe. So she, just like in Princess Diaries, she kind of whirlwind, has to travel to Japan She meets this father that she never knew. She has always dreamed of going to Japan one day, but she obviously didn't think she would be going as the princess. You get, there's a little bit of a love story. Again, it's YA, so it's not anything, you know, it's very tame, but very, very sweet. If you like royals fiction, like the Royal We, American Royals, books along that line, I think you will love this. If you like, oh, what was that Netflix adaptation? To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was originally a novel by Jenny Han, and then became the Netflix series. I think this is a great read-alike for that in the sense that you get a beautiful, really well-rounded picture of Japanese culture. In this case, I think that a lot of Asian American writers are really bringing representation to the forefront, Mm -hmm. especially in YA. I think it's happening in a big way in YA, the descriptions of Japanese food in this book. Mm. Oh my gosh. I was like, I'm so glad we live right by the Asian district in Oklahoma City because this book is making me so hungry. It's just so sweet. Again, it's a pretty fast read as most YA books are. It is just absolutely darling and it's definitely one
0: that there's a lot of hype around it. It's well-deserved. Awesome. I can't wait to get that one. I think I have it in my Libby ready to go. So I need to get to that one. you have to tell me what you think after you read it. Yeah. So my YA pick, I want to mention real fast, not too long, but along those same lines, a pho love story Yes. by Lonely. It's a Vietnamese American take, and it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet without all the tragedy because it's these two teenagers whose parents both have a pho restaurant that are very close together, but they have some kind of family feud situation Ah, going on that's kind of like a enemies to lovers kind of YA romance. but like you said it's very tame romance and Mm -hmm. i love how they get really deep into the vietnamese culture and again their food and all of that stuff so that's another good one if tokyo ever after is good for you pick up a love story also okay i want to mention one more ya because this one i've seen everywhere It's called The Firekeeper's Daughter. Yes. By Angeline Bully. Yeah, my daughter, AJ,
1: was just telling me that she wanted to pick this one up next.
0: Yeah, so this one is like a YA thriller. Okay. Which I haven't read much of a YA thriller. I usually read YA fantasy or YA romance kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. so this was a totally different genre for me because I don't even really read thrillers in adult fiction. So picking up a YA one was different. But it tells the story of Dawnis, and she lives on a reservation, a Native American reservation, but she is half Native American, half white. And so she's kind of in this, am I Native? Am I not? She's not been formally acknowledged by the tribe because of some things that happened to her when she was younger and her parents didn't really know what they wanted to do with all of that. And so she knows all the people on the reservation and then she has this life outside too. But her best friend is native and she lives on the reservation. They're planning to go to college together and they're just like hanging out. And then something really terrible happens. And all of a sudden she's thrust into this huge FBI investigation. They want to bring her in as an informant. And then all of a sudden she's like spying on people and doing all these little things. And there's a romance woven in through all of that. And so it's really fast paced. It's really interesting. I think it talks about a lot of the issues that are plaguing native populations now, especially with Mm -hmm. regard to drug use and outsiders preying on native Mm -hmm. populations for drug and alcohol sales and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it digs really deep into that. I really loved her grappling with her identity, like who she was and where she belonged. And just her whole journey through the whole thing was really, really good. So I really liked it. I did that one on audio also. And to hear her say the, I think it's Anishinaabe words. Yes. In her language are just so beautiful. So I don't think she narrates it, but the narrator did a fantastic job with all the indigenous words. So I really loved it. Everybody I've seen who have read it have really loved it. So it's a good one, I think, to put on your summer reading list.
1: So, so, so great. We being in Oklahoma are surrounded by Chickasaw Nation. And I grew up amongst that as just being like, just very natural and normal. And there are many, Not, I don't want to say many, there are people within the Chickasaw Nation who are very determined to keep the language alive. And Mm -hmm. so you'll go to different events around the state and sometimes they'll have someone speaking in Chickasaw and oh my goodness, it is absolutely fascinating and mesmerizing. And so I can imagine listening on audio to this book, Yeah, that that would really be a great component to the book. So, oh my gosh, Katie. We've talked about so many books. This so is so many. fun. <laughs> you guys, of course, in the show notes, I hope you've already taken a peek to see. We've got everything that you need in the show notes so that you can go and add these to your library hold list or add them to your home library. So, Katie, as a reminder, where can we find all of your stuff if we want to track what you're doing with your writing or if we just want to talk books and reading with you? Where do we find you?
0: So, I'm mostly on Instagram at Katie Proctor Writes and Reads. And I do have a, a sometimes used blog, katieproctorwrites.com, but I do put updates on my books and my writing and stuff along the way there. So, Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time to
1: talk about all of these books with me. If you guys want to find me on social media, you can find me at Sorta of Awesome Meg. And you can find Sorta of Awesome, the show, on any platform you are on just by searching for sort of awesome. So we hope that you loved this discussion. We hope it brings you many hours of happy reading this summer and beyond. So awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old.